Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. We're going to have shuffling papers today, then, Sorry. instead yeah. of clicking mice. I know. Well, yeah, so I thought I wouldn't... Bring, because we were recording here, I thought I won't bring my laptop... I'll just print out, that, and unfortunately, there's a bloody big picture of Boris Johnson. So I'm don't just forget what you did. Don't get alarmed. It's not. It's not as bad as it sounds. Can you turn the page quite soon, please? <laughs> it is. It's not a pretty size. It's not. It's not. What were we watching the other night? And there was somebody who was. Oh, it was. Um, we were watching a thing. Oh, loose horses. Slow horses. Slow horses. Sorry. Yes. Not, yeah, so we were watching Highly recommended, that. by the way. Yeah, so you mentioned it last week. So we've done series one, just like that. Yeah. Um, and there was a point during that where um, the, the, the the top lady in MI5, yeah. or MI6, whichever one it is, MI5. In a, Second desk or first desk? The, no, she's the... She was the one who was standing in for Erica. Okay. Second desk. Second desk, Okay. Remember terminology? I just remember what it's, it's a woman. Anyway, she's gone to see somebody, and and he is kind of Boris Johnson, like all oh, right, that sort of character. And yeah. it just reminded me of. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. Anyway, no. Okay, no. good. No. So and you're not talking about Boris Johnson. No. Good. No, no, because we've managed to avoid that over the years that we've been working together. Interestingly, yes, we we managed to not find out anything juicy about Boris yeah. Johnson. And this picture of him. Isn't directly because this is an article about him. Okay. So here's the thing. Words. I love words. I'm interested in where they come from. You know, when you, words that, you know, come from Latin or come from French or, you know, similarities and things like that. So there's been a few things, a few words that have cropped up. And I thought, oh, what is that word? So the word permacrisis. Permacrisis. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a word that Collins Dictionary have decided pretty much sums up 2022. <laughs> okay. So I was like, right, okay. I've got a word for it as well. <laughs> Is it two words? Show? <laughs> oh, yeah, two words, I yeah. suppose, yeah. And this isn't even an anagram of anything shit-related. So permacrisis. Permacrisis. Okay. okay, okay. So I was like, right, okay, so what does this actually mean? So essentially, Brexit, covid the war in Ukraine, climate change, the economy, political instability, global insecurity, and a sense of impending doom. Okay. <laughs> you can wrap all of those together and use the word permacrisis. So basically, it means an extended period of instability and insecurity. Okay. Did I tell you about my experience um, with suspected sepsis? Where the pharmacist said, it's okay, just if you get a sense of impending doom, go to A&E. And I thought, <laughs> bloody hell, I've got a sense of impending the doom. Whole, half the country's got it. <laughs> we all got sepsis. <laughs> How do I determine the impending doom from all that that you've just mentioned? Yes. An impending doom from sepsis. As it happened, I didn't have sepsis, but that's going to stay with me forever now. I think the impending doom would have been very personal with with sepsis. Yes, okay. I think your body would have gone into, oh my gosh. 
okay, I think not, I'm going to die. What about the economy? What about We're the energy going crisis? To, yeah, exactly, yeah, okay. exactly. So anyway, it was. Had you come across that word before? Uh, permacrisis. No, I don't think I did. Permaculture. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, well permacrisis. Okay. So is it is it just a, an amalgamation of permanent crisis? <laughs> oh, okay. Most of these things it are, seems are quite they? simple. Yes, most of these things are. But then um, this is the top word in a list of ten words that Collins have said um, are they're adding to the dictionary. Because I love this. You know, when the t- yeah. words go out of common parlance, they come into co- and all of those sorts Brilliant. of things. Yeah, like, a, like a, a Nigella or a Delia or whatever. So, some other words. Um, Partygate. Partygate, yep. OK. Um, That's a bit miserable, isn't yes. it? Yes. Obviously, the scandal of social gather- gatherings in Downing Street. Um, Kiev. So the fact that most of us we call it Kiev instead of Kiev, yeah, yeah, warm bank, warm bank. Okay, is that a place you go to like a food bank, but it, you keep warm in? Yeah, like libraries, like a soup kitchen, churches. <laughs> yeah, so we live in a country where we need warm we need banks warm spaces as well for people. as food banks. That's miserable, yeah. isn't it? Uh, quiet quitting. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, you know, that feeling of impending doom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's descending again. Yes, quiet quitting. Yeah, we mentioned that. Yeah, we have, and then Carolian. Carolian? No, not heard C-A-R-O-L-E-A-N. of that. C A R O L E A N. It's the new mon- monarchical, monarchical, <laughs> monarchical, monarchical. <laughs> to do with the monarchy. To do with the monarchy. Yeah, monarchical, yeah, mon- okay. monarchical. I don't know era. So, um, as as um, at the end of the Second Elizabethan Age and the accession of King Charles, lawfare is the st- strategic use of legal proceedings to intimidate or hinder an opponent. But Carolean is the word that describes. So we're not Elizabethan, we're not Edwardian, we're Carolean. Well, that's useful. How often do you use that? In well, we day? don't, but in the future, people will, won't they? Oh, the Carolean era—that's yes. where we're from. Yes. Oh, it's good to know if we get that time machine. We get beyond that impending doom. Okay. Uh, the um, another word, splooting. Splooting. Yes. That sounds cracking. What's that? Well, it it's something that you or I might do, but we might struggle to get up from it. It's basically where animals lie on the floor during heat to try and dissipate some of the heat in their body through the cool of a floor. Okay. Splooting. Sploot. Yeah. So if you ever find yourself face down on the floor. I'm just splooting. Just say, I'm just having a little I sploot. I haven't had a fall. No, I haven't had a fall. Uh, and finally, sports washing. Um, this is a term for organisations and countries that use sports activities to enhance their reputations or distract from unacceptable policies. The name Qatar appears yeah. in this. I think that's just an example of. I don't think they're honing in on 2022 World Cup. But, yeah, words. New words. Okay, I like that. So, as you... (coughs) Excuse me. Yeah, (coughs) that's... You're not splooting now. What you do, you're spluttering. It sounds like splooting, doesn't it? Spluttering. Okay, so, as you were talking about liking words, a book that I read last year sprang to mind. So, as you were... were, Splooting. As you were hanging on my every word, word. you were Googling. I was Googling while you were talking. Uh, And a book that I want to recommend to you called The Dictionary of Lost Words 
by Pip Williams. Have I not mentioned oh, this to you before? I don't think so. All right, it's good. Um, so, let me just read the blurb for you. An enchanting story about love, loss and the power of language. Sometimes you have to start with what's lost to truly find yourself. Motherless and impressibly, irrepressibly sorry, curious, Esme spends her childhood at her father's feet as he and his team gather words for the very first Oxford English Dictionary. Is this fiction? Yes. Okay. One day she sees a slip of paper containing a forgotten word flutter to the floor unclaimed. And so Esme begins to collect words for another dictionary in secret, the Dictionary of Lost Words. And so she she's essentially collecting words that are used in common parlance, mainly by women. Okay. So it's on the cusp of change, the Great War's looming, women are fighting for the vote. And she's um, having conversations with women who are using words and phrases that don't make it into the dictionary. Ah, oh, because the dictionaries are compiled by men, presumably. Exactly. And that's the. I think that's largely the ah. message of the book. It's lovely. The, diction- the, the Dictionary of, of Lost, Lost Words. Words. Pip Williams, yes. Ah. So that's my recommendation. Oh. And I was listening to what you said. No, of course you were. I know you were. I know you were. Because I could see you glazing over. <laughs> I'm going to give you a reason to glaze over now. Um, now... Here's the thing. The Freedom of Information Act. Oh, OK. So, you, you know all about the Freedom of Information yes. Act, don't you? Yes. Um, gives uh, public right of access to information that's held by public authorities. And it was implemented in 2000 on the back of uh, Labour Party's 1997 general election manifesto. Only in 2000? It's yeah. only existed since 2000? Yeah. Wow, OK. I think I realised yeah, that. It's, it's 2023 now, though. It's been in existence for 23 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. 2000 feels like yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Okay. The reason I mention it is because um, just this week I've been doing some research. I've been trying to find out some information some, for some uh, work stuff that I'm doing. And I was thinking, I wonder if this is on public record. So I went to Natural Resources Wales, sure enough, public register, of all the submissions by every company, all of the permits, all of the correspondence that any company in Wales has had about the environment. Okay. Great register. Then I wanted to find something out about planning permissions. So I just went on to the planning, the the local authorities planning and found all of the planning applications, associated submissions and reports and decisions on there and I thought isn't this a wonderful thing yeah it, it the, was really really useful the transparency because the the public sector have to make this information available and I just I, I, I felt really I, I was really nerdy today so I was going did you know to my colleagues who were busy trying, trying to, to do other work, work yeah. yeah and I was going did you know about this and did you know about that and oh and I think soon enough the office emptied. <laughs> oh, she's she's on one again. Um, but it reminded me um, of a website that I um, became familiar with. I I actually had a part time job when my kids were young. I did lots of part time jobs and portfolio career. The you know I I probably had about five jobs going at the same time with different things. One of them was answering Freedom of Information Act requests. Oh. Just a couple of uh, half days a week. 
for a public body. And one of the websites I became aware of at that point was whatdotheyknow.com. Okay. Really, really incredibly useful website. Who's they in this context? They, the the public sector. Okay. What do they know? Okay. Um, And you can submit a Freedom of Information Act request to any public body through this website anonymously. Oh. And you and then your request is displayed so everybody else can see the responses as well. But the um the public body has to answer because um although you have to they have to reply to real people, because there's portals there that's providing sort of this anonymity, they're treated as real people. So you could stir up a lot of shit for somebody if you wanted to. Well, at the time when I was was working in Freedom of Information we used to just get loads and loads of requests from journalists who were just fishing for stories. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, it's that yeah. journalist again. But if you think about it from a company point of view, if you're interested in supplying paper to all the councils in Wales, you just submit a request to all the councils in Wales asking them what their spend on paper was in the last five years. Yeah, okay, and they have to answer. Yeah, so there are certain reasons why they can't answer. So obviously, if you um, if it would risk revealing some um, private data about an individual, or if it was incredibly commercially sensitive or risk to national security, or if, indeed, they just don't hold that information. Um, but otherwise, yeah, they have to answer. So I went on to have a look um, at what was on there. What I thought, okay, what's of interest to me? I had a look at Wrexham's... Um, requests so there was a recent one which was asking for the costs of having the knife angel sculpture in Wrexham town centre oh okay I thought okay I love that sculpture and I you know I'm really grateful that it was there it was incredible but I wouldn't have had an idea as to how much it cost the council to have that there can you guess five thousand pounds uh eighteen thousand two hundred and eighty seven pounds and that is made up of street scene stroke traffic management stroke concrete weights. That's just over £1,500. Structural engineering fees, £225. Lift specialist, transportation, installation, removal, £4,500. Security throughout the month of October, about £6,500. A security welfare unit, yeah, um, 1150 Lighting of the structure for a month, uh, just under £2,000. Opening and closing ceremonies, nearly £1,700. And promotion, design and print costs, £780. Wow. I've got no use for that, but I thought it was quite interesting. And then there was another uh, one that caught my eye because I was looking at planning applications myself. So uh, last year, somebody sent in a request They said, I would like to know how many planning permission requests were received last year. How many planning permission requests were rejected last year? How many planning permission requests were rejected due to protected species? And of these, how many were rejected due to badgers, bats, birds, dormice, newts, invertebrates, nasjack toads, otters, reptiles, waterfalls, white-clawed crayfish or other? Okay. Do you want to know the answer? So... In 2021, in Wrexham, there were 
1,220 planning applications submitted to the planning department. Okay. There were 63 applications refused in that year. Five applications included included ecological reasons for refusal, so not just ecological reasons. And some of the reasons for refusal were uh, Great Crested Newt 1, Bats 4, Impact on Diversity 1. So one of them must have had both because that's six reasons for five that had ecological reasons. I thought, well, that was interesting. Again, it's quite a good ratio, that, isn't it? 1,200 and only 63 rejected. Yeah. But you and know, five due to because there's this big talk. Oh my God, you can't you can't do anything in Wrexham because of the newts. Well, only one was rejected because of newts. Yeah. So, the other thing that's interesting there is that it's twelve hundred applications in a year. How many working days are there in a year? Two hundred sixty. Two hundred sixty. Okay, so that's four applications a day. How many people work in the planning department? Not enough. Well, how many people does it take to deal with four applications a day? Oh. I know they take. I know there's a period of time, but yeah. Anyway, there's a massive backlog at the moment, so I have noticed on other councils, not Wrexham, there have been requests. Um, how many planning applications are being held up due to phosphate issues? Right, okay. which is yeah massive at the moment, um, and obviously something of great concern for me, who's who's about to submit some planning applications. Uh, for work and you know we're thinking how long is it going to take yeah. um, but so that's the thing yeah 1200 were submitted 63 were rejected they could have been rejected from 2019 for all we know yeah. how many are still in the waiting list yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay and then I, I did a quick google search so um, on foi and just out of interest there was this section it's on wikipedia so you you take it with a pinch of salt but facts revealed by the act Oh yeah. So if you remember when the Freedom of Information Act was first brought out, the, there was a massive number of people asking all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's probably one of the reasons I got a job doing all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, the government agreed to one point five million pound bailout of the most troubled schools in its flagship academies program ten days before the two thousand and five general election. That was from a FOI. Ministers and MPs claiming thousands of pounds in expenses. That's from an FOI request. Um, foreign diplomats who have diplomatic in immunity who were accused of rape, sexual assault, child abuse and murders while working in Britain. I would have thought there would have been a bit of sensitivity over that one, but mm. maybe they've just got numbers. I don't know. They can't get names. so. No. Um, the clandestine British torture programme existed in post-war Germany, reminiscent of concentration camps. Never heard about that. Um, the, the UK supported Israeli nuclear weapons programme by selling Israel 20 tonnes of heavy water in 1958. Right. Some of these questions are really complicated questions that you've got to know an awful lot about something, even to be able to phrase that question. So it would suggest that you almost know the answer. Yeah, I think so. There, w- there was another question on uh, the Wrexham um, Council's section of whatdotheyknow.com, which was asking about a particular piece of land and who it's used by. And the council responded with a bit of a vague response that referred to the planning permission around that bit of land, but saying what it was allowed to be used by rather than saying what it was actually used by. And the person responded saying, 
I know the answer to this one, and so you've not you not said the right answer. So I'm like, oh, okay, we well, mm. just making a point then. Mm. That clearly wasn't a journalist; that was a member of the public. But I think it's fascinating. It's a useful business tool, mm. you know. Mm. So you can find out who's tendered for pro- um, for contracts with any public sector body. That it used to be that they'd say, oh no, sorry, that's commercially sensitive, but actually it's not. Well. No, because it's, in it's the public actually interest. Com- it's commercial interest, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's in the public interest to have the lowest tender price possible. Yeah. So making the tender prices public Available. knowledge yeah. enables yeah. somebody to compete. Mm. So transparency, that was my thing for this week. Yes, no, it's good. It's interesting. And you could probably spend an awful lot of time looking at that site and just randomly thinking of things and wondering, like the knife angel... Like, you know, even just on that, well, okay, how much did it cost for him to have it in Coventry? How much did it cost? You know, yeah, and you, compare the different... Where answers. is it going next? Can I tender for that piece of work? <laughs> well, exactly. If, if you <laughs> look at tour? it from, you know, it's like some of it's out of interest, but how can I use that information, you know, mm. for, for my business? Journalists use it for theirs. They're mm. using it to find stories without having to leave leave their desks. Yeah, and depending on your point of view, I suppose... You know, you could say oh, it cost eighteen thousand pounds, and there it was for a month, and you know, you know, it's a, it's you know, it opens up dialogue and it's raising awareness of gun, uh, knife crime and all sorts of things, and then somebody else could get that same piece of information. And go, do you know what they spent eighteen thousand pounds on sticking that thing? And well, when we're in the, meet- so yeah. I suppose it depends where. Yeah, what your point of view is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Can I have one more thing? Sticking with the word theme. Go on. You're about to turn this page over. I hope there isn't another um, picture of Boris Johnson on there, though. No, no, it's Matt Hancock. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. not. Here's a word that you you may have heard of, but I I hadn't. Um, uh, The word kinkeeping. Kinkeeping? No, I've not heard of that. Mm, Is it like inkeeping, but for family members? Well, it it, it kind of is a little bit. It's... Apparently, um, there's an article written by a sociologist in 1985, kinkeeping in the familial division of labour. Right, I think, okay, that's a bit heavy. But essentially, and it's cropped up in a couple of places. Again, this is why I'm like, what is this thing? It's the invisible work women, often women do, that no one gives them credit for. So um, it's the whole, uh, it's emerged, I mean, there was an article, I think this was in Metro, um, and also there's an article on Psychology Today from last year. But specifically, I think it, it's aired um, this month because Christmas is behind us. And they say, you know, Christmas is behind us. We all feel rested. But a lot of women or lead figures in homes are absolutely frazzled because they're the people that just made it all happen. So they're the people who magically put the washing in the washing machine or magically iron things and they end up in the right place or magically fill the fridge or whatever it might be um and reminds me of that book uh, referring uh, back to another book who cooked adam smith's dinner okay where no, no economic value was placed on the work of the woman in the home so when they're when they're working out what the how the value of the economy yeah all of that stuff was not given it's a not value yeah. yeah yeah so adam smith was quite happily writing his mother was cooking his dinner yes and washing his clothes yeah 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 so it's it's a similar thing and historically it normally it often has been women but of course we live in a time now where it it, it 
you know, it's not the stereotypical woman, um, but... Um, it's the king keeper. It's the king keeper. But in a study in 1996, um, it was identified, this was carried out by a psychologist, 85% were actually women. Um, mostly mothers, aunts and grandmothers between the ages of 40 and 59. And as they aged, the role passed down to younger family members. Um, but to this day, they are still mostly women. Um, there's a TikToker, content creator, called Creators now, aren't they? Um, ad- advice girl. And she has been looking at king keeping. Um, and the the video that she put up has been viewed by more has been viewed four million times um but she says that through these studies king keeping is the root of stress in most women's lives because if you think about it if you are the kin keeper if you are the person and it, it, it isn't necessarily just a straightforward mother or you know wife or whatever it might be in the home it could be somebody within a family who keeps fragmented parts of the family together you know, warring factions or trying yeah. to make the peace or making sure that Auntie Mary isn't having Easter, uh, Christmas on her own and yeah. making an extra seat at the table and all of that sort of thing. Whoever you are, male or female, um, you're probably doing that on top of holding down a job. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, the days of people only doing the home... King-keeping. The king-keeping yeah. are few and far between. Yeah. Um, but it's a word I'd never come across before. There are some really interesting studies about it. Psychology Today's article is is really interesting, um, and it talks about um, how the role, as we become more financially um, or less financially um, comfortable, those king keepers may need also to be going out. So they might have it might have formed part of their their main role for a period of time while the children were young or whilst caring for an elderly parent. They've got to go back into the workplace. They've got to go back into the workplace. But nobody says, well, that's okay because all that other stuff can just do itself. No, you've got to do that as well. You have to be quite an enlightened family to say, okay, well, how are we going to divvy up all the jobs that the king keeper does? I like that because there there is that um, everyday sexism. I don't know that. Really, Alexa? (laughs) You do surprise me because she knows bloody everything. She's listening, yeah. Um, there is that everyday sex of sexism of assuming that it's the wife, yeah. the woman yeah. in the home, but the king keeper is a bit more gender neutral. Yeah. I quite like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I should say, I, I think they need to spell it with a hyphen between kin and keeping. Because every time I look at that piece of paper you've got in front of me, all I see is kink. Well, that, I haven't read the study that far down. I mean, it may be that that does. It's kink. perhaps it's kink either. <laughs> But I thought... Excuse me, my cough's coming back. <coughs> Let's tickle my fancy. <laughs> well, there we go. So there's a few words that I've never come across, but I will be using them at every... Uh, you can imagine, can't you? Yes. I'm going to be educating every... Well, that's because you're the king keeper. That's because you're the king keeper, not the innkeeper, not the king keeper. King keeper. King keeper. Um words good luck to everybody that comes across uh, heather over the next few weeks she'll be trying (laughs) out her new words on you now here's the thing is a jones and noble production brought to you every week well maybe not every week heather (laughs) (laughs) recorded with an iphone a microphone and lots of hot air